0: You're listening to the First Corinthians, When Immaturity Meets Worldliness series, preached by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Take your Bibles this morning if you would. Let's turn together to First Corinthians chapter 10 this morning. First Corinthians chapter 10. We, we glory as a nation and as a people this morning in freedom. It was even mentioned this morning for our prayer time that we gather together, we're thankful that we can come and worship in freedom. We have freedom to come and, and worship our Lord. We have freedom to read the word. We have freedom to preach. We have freedom to, to interact in our places of work and business. But let me remind you as we get into the text this morning that the greatest need for mankind is the need of salvation. Because the greatest problem that we face is the problem of sin. We all face it. We are all sinners by nature. We are sinners by choice. And left in that condition, we are doomed for all eternity in a place called hell. And so this morning, as we discuss freedom, I want us to understand that for the believer today, We have already experienced the greatest freedom possible in Jesus Christ because of the person of Christ, because of the work of of the, the life, the death, the burial, resurrection, ascension, and coming in of Christ. For those who repent and believe on him, we have freedom this morning from the penalty of sin. My friend, there is a penalty for sin. There's a penalty for all sin. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. It's eternal separation. And yet, for those who call on Christ, who understand and realize it's not in our own goodness. It's not in our own uh, works. It's not in our own uh, merits that we somehow come across God's grace. It's not that at all. It's when I repent and believe and trust in Christ and Christ alone, I can be Free then from the penalty of sin. It's a glorious truth. It's a glorious thought. It is glorious freedom. But not only that, for the believer in Christ, we have freedom from the penalty of sin. And because of Christ and His work and His Spirit this morning, we can be free from the power of sin. I don't have to be who I used to be or what I once was. I don't have to be angry, I don't have to be bitter. I don't have to be perverse. I don't have to be selfish and self-centered. I don't have to be greedy. I don't have to be critical. I don't have to be a gossip. Because in Christ now, I have freedom this morning from the, the power and the bondage of that sin. That's freedom. And then ultimately, for the believer, we will have freedom from the very presence of sin. There is coming a day when we will have a glorified body. And for the believer, we will not struggle with sin. I don't know about you, but you get tired of the struggle of sin. And someday we will be free from the very presence of that sin. And that's why we as believers can say, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. We have freedom. And we should thank God for that. So, for the believer this morning, then it begs the question since we have this great freedom, how then are we to act and to behave and live our lives now in light of this freedom? There are some Christians who think because I have freedom, it means then I can do whatever I want to do. I got grace, I'm covered. So I'll live the way I want to live, I'll talk the way I want to talk, I'll do whatever I want to do, I'll go where I want to go, I will be what I want to be, because after all, I have grace. But now listen to me, my friend, Paul has already addressed that in Romans chapter 6. When he says, should we continue in sin that grace may abound, and he says, God forbid, may it never be so. And so... In light of this freedom, we have to ask ourselves, how do I live as a Christian now? I've been free, I have the greatest freedom imaginable, but how do I live now as a free believer in Christ? And that's what we're going to talk about now as we close off chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, starting now at verse number 23. Paul's addressing the area of freedom and liberty for the Christian life. And and I have to tell you, this last portion of Scripture, we've been been dealing with this since chapter 8. About four years ago, we started this. It seems that way. We're going to finish it this morning. But I have to tell you, this is so, I believe, so clear and pertinent and um, important to where we find ourselves today. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 23. Paul says, all things are lawful, or all things are permissible. If you've been paying attention, you know this is not the first time we've heard this phrase. It was used Prior to this, in chapter 6, verse 12, where he repeats this phrase. And the truth is, Paul may have used this phrase by explaining grace, but what's happened is this. The people of Corinth have taken this phrase, All things are lawful, all things are permissible for me, so that they could do whatever they wanted to do. This was their mantra to say, listen, I'm a believer, I have grace, but because of that grace now, all things are permissible. I can do whatever I want to do. That's what they were using this for. Now listen to me. We understand and know this morning that you just can't take the Bible out of context and grab a verse and say, yeah, that's, I can do whatever I want to do. That's not what he's saying. Paul doesn't mean, I can do whatever I want to do. The truth is, in the context here, um, Paul has already told us not to go into temples to worship there and eat sacrificial meals. Because whether you realize it or not, going there, you are swelling the ranks of those who are opposed to the living God, and you are encouraging idolatry, and you are worshiping, whether you realize it or not, these idle demons. So he says, wait a minute. Yeah, all things are permissible, but by all things, he doesn't mean everything. Um, there are sinful things. Because we're under grace this morning, it doesn't mean it's okay to murder. No-brainer, right? Or to lust, or commit adultery, or fornication, or to be greedy, or to be gluttonous. There are absolutes. And so the guy or girl who says, hey, yeah, Um, I'm under grace this morning, and, and God just wants me to be happy. And I met this guy or girl at work, and they really understand me. I mean, she listens to me. He understands me. And so because God wants me to be happy as a Christian, I'm going to leave my wife, I'm going to leave my husband, and I'm going to be happy with this other individual because I'm under grace. My friend, if you think that way, you are insane. And that's being nice. You're wicked. As if God's personal holiness is trumped by your happiness. There are absolutes. And and what Paul is saying here is when he says all things are permissible, those all things are not sinful things. Those all things, in the context of where we're at this morning, are things that are gray areas. There are things that aren't specifically forbidden in the Word of God. They are non-essentials, is what he's speaking about. When he says all things there, he's talking about areas that we have freedom or liberty in. But look what he says in the verse. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are permissible, but all things are not beneficial. Paul, recognizing that we do have freedom and liberty, says, wait a minute. There are things that we can do, but there are some things that we shouldn't do because they're not beneficial. And this is where believers this morning need real wisdom. We need the Spirit of God, the Word of God, to direct and guide our lives. Because there are some things that we can do that we still ought not to do. Listen to the words of Clement of Alexandria. This is about the second century A.D. He says... Those who take advantage of everything that is lawful rapidly deteriorate into doing what is not lawful. And we see that today. So Paul is going to give us some guidelines here. So as we look through this text now, Paul's talking about personal liberties, personal freedom. And, and I want you to keep in mind, because for Paul, this idea of what can I do and what liberties do I have and how free am I to, to do whatever I want... It was not the be-all, end-all. There was something greater for Paul that regulated his life. And we're going to see it this morning. So, he says in verse 23, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me or permissible, but all things edify not. And, And so what he says there is, yeah, there are things I can do, but understand, within this context, There are things that don't edify. The word edify means to build up. And again, this is couched in the conversation about the church, the body of Christ. That there are things that we do sometimes that don't build up other believers. And now he expounds on that. Look at verse 24. He says, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth, or another's good, or another's well-being. And in that that phrase, don't seek your own, you can fill in the blank. Don't, talking to believers, seek your own good, your own comfort, your own interest, your own ends. You You fill in the blank. Don't do that. And right away, that statement smacks in the face of our culture. That is me first. Everything we do is about me. How does this affect me? And Paul says, wait a minute, don't seek your own. Decisions on liberty and freedom have to be made in the context of true love. And here's what true love is. True love says, I am more concerned about the well-being of others than myself. Parents, you get this, right? Grandparents, I know grandparents get this. I was with somebody the other day. I go to school, and uh, the secretary says, hey, I'm just, a, I just we're grandparents now, first time. And you know the first thing she did? She pulls out this accordion of pictures. Whoop! Isn't she beautiful? Like, she's unique. She's a beautiful baby. We we love them. We care for them. And we want the best for them. Right? Parents, we do things that, that we don't want to do, that aren't comfortable, like get up at all hours of the night for our children. We do that because we understand it's for their best interest. That's true love. And Paul says, in the body of Christ, in this family that we have, the church, we are to do things that edify. And so already, when when it comes to personal freedom and liberty, God has already established a, a, a boundary, a parameter for us, and says, okay, you can act in this area however you please, but it must be guided by edification. Is what I'm doing, building up believers in Christ. Verses 25 now through 27. And and this is fascinating to me. Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, understands human nature. Because he just said, listen now, you should have rules. You should have guidelines. You should have some kind of boundaries in your liberty. So put this boundary. Make sure that you do things in order to edify people. But at the same time, he's going to tell us now in the next three verses, be careful that you don't go overboard in this area. There is a propensity for people to go to extremes. Years ago, when we were in Michigan, there was a lady there who was always struggling with her weight. Always struggling with her weight. And um, so she found this diet. Here's what the diet was. In the morning, you were to eat licorice. As much as you wanted. I mean, just bags of licorice. For lunch, you were to eat licorice. And for dinner, I, I think, a salad and licorice. Now, some of you are thinking, that's my kind of diet. Um, mine would be candy bars instead, all right? Licorice. And can I tell you something? It worked. She dropped a ton of weight. I mean, a ton of weight. I mean, she was skinny until the first time she ate a sandwich. Okay. No more licorice. Right? There's extremes. And I don't know what's it's about believers, but we, we go in these extremes. It's like, no rules. All rules. Those are extremes. And so Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, knows this. And so he starts in verse 25 to say, when it comes to our our freedom and liberty, don't eat licorice. Okay? Don't be extreme. Don't get entangled in personal bondage. Don't become legalistic in this thing. Um, Don't make it more about rules than a relationship. And too many of us, we do that we got all the rules down. There's no relationship. And so look what he says in verse number 25. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. So what in the world are he talking about here? Well, we've worked our way through, we understand that Corinth was an idolatrous city. Um, they, they offered animals to sacrifice to their idols and to their gods. And the leftovers would go down to the shambles or the meat market. And they would sell it there to people who wanted it. Usually a really good cut of meat uh, at a decent price. And so he said to the Christians, listen, when you're going to the meat market and, and, and the majority of that meat might be sacrificed to idols, go there. Don't play detective. Don't ask any questions. If the chicken's on sale, buy the chicken. If the beef is on sale, buy the beef. If, if the lamb dinner is $12 a plate, just buy the ticket and don't ask any more questions. That was shameless. I'm sorry. That was just, okay. Don't ask any questions. Just buy the stuff. Don't be a detective. Don't try to figure out, was this sacrifice? Was this to Zeus or Aphrodite? What, what happened here? I need to know this because I got these rules in my life. He says, don't do it. Just go buy the food. Now, some of you right now are checking out saying, hey, Rick, you know what? We don't have shambles here. We don't have these meat markets that, that sell stuff from the gods that were sacrificed. I know, but here's the deal, right? He's talking about these areas in our lives that sometimes we have freedom in. You can put in your own area, this gray area of freedom. And that's the same questions here. He says, Just don't, don't go and play detective. Look at verse number 26. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And this is Psalm 24, verse 1. The Jews would use this as a prayer. And and, and it's acknowledging that this God that we serve is the true God, the creator, the living God. And he's made everything. It's all his. It belongs to him. And it's all good. And so he says, when you go there, the meat, the chicken, the lamb, hey, it's good. God made it. You ever think about this? The God that we serve is the one who thought it would be a good idea for bacon to taste like bacon. What a great idea that was. Or for dark chocolate to be mixed with sea salt. Mmm. I mean, it's it's all his. And so he says, listen, when you go there, the meat's there, the chicken's, just buy the stuff. It all belongs to the Lord. We pray over it. It's fine. Verse 27. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast... And ye be disposed to go, what silver is set before you, eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. And again, he says, okay, he's giving us real practical advice for the Corinthians, but for us as well. He says, okay, if someone who doesn't believe in Christ has you over, and it might be that, you know, I think they're involved in idolatry, but they set a meal before you, don't ask them, hey, just by the way, was this meat offered to Epaphrodite? Was it, was it, is that, did you sacrifice this? He says, Don't ask. Just go ahead and eat it. Don't ask if it was sacrificed. Don't ask if it was kosher. Don't ask if it was halal. Don't ask. Just eat the stuff. He says it's all the Lord's. And this is an area that God is indifferent in. It's food. And if it's killed before you, who cares as long as it's not mooing or moving. Just eat it. Eat the stuff. That's what we're talking about. Listen, Christian, what Paul is saying here is, yes, there are boundaries to our behavior. We must have them. He's going to continue to spell those out for us, right? Edify. But at the same time, do not add, you don't need to be adding more rules to your life. Let me say something to you. This morning, don't be more conservative than God. That's ridiculous. He makes all the rules. No, listen. It's not ridiculous. There are believers who think it's their job to be more conservative and have more rules than God. Let me give you an example. There's a group called the Separate Ones. We might not know them by that name. You'd know them by this name, Pharisee. And their plan was, as they saw um, this Hellenistic philosophy coming into Judaism, they wanted to... maintain purity for God's Word. They loved it. They wanted to separate themselves from the world. And so they did. And in in order to do that, they kept on adding more and more rules to their life to keep them as far away as they could from the edge. Here's the problem. When God incarnate in the Word walked among them in the person of Jesus Christ, the Pharisees said to God in the flesh, you're doing it all wrong. You're breaking the rules. You're not following what we said here. Can I tell you something? Jesus' most scathing announcements came to that group. God, you're not following my rules. And and don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying there are no rules. I'm saying don't be more conservative than God. Jesus said to this group, listen, you've got a problem. You are swallowing a camel and straining at a gnat. Don't do it. Don't be more conservative than God. Verse 28. Paul's going to give us another situation. Listen, the Bible is is practical. The Bible is is for us today. He's laying this out for them how to behave and respond. Verse 28. He says, but if any man say unto you, okay, still talking about this area of okay, freedom delivery, this is this is offered in sacrifice unto an idol. Eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience I say, not thine own, but of the other. You say, is Paul schizophrenic here? No, he's not. He said, Listen, if you go to dinner and they don't say anything, eat the food. But If you go to dinner and this guy says, hey, Paul, and and we don't know whether it's a believer or unbeliever. It doesn't matter. The outcome's still the same. Hey, brother, sister, listen, maybe it's a lost guy. We're having a meal here. I want you to know this was sacrificed to Zeus. I just got back from the temple. We dedicated this meat to him. We want you to enjoy this meat as we've offered to Zeus. Paul says to the the brother or sister there, don't eat it. Say, "Ah, I can't. And then he says something very interesting. He says, not for your conscience, because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You know that food is food, but for his conscience. Now, now what in the world? Why a lost guy for his conscience? Yeah. Can I tell you something? If, if you ever wonder how Christians should act, go ask your unsaved family members. Or your unsaved coworker, or your neighbors. Hey, how do you think a Christian should act? And they will tell you. And in this situation, if a guy's lost, he says, hey, I sacrificed this, and you as a Christian, he just told you that, and now you eat it, what you are saying to him is, listen, Christian, we don't care. Idols don't matter. It doesn't matter, uh, it doesn't matter to us. We, we're okay with that. And he says, don't do that for his conscience' sake. And if it's a believer, don't do it for his conscience' sake. Maybe this believer had trouble, and maybe he struggled in these areas. He says, hey, by the way, i got to tell you something. I, I picked this up real cheap, but I, I know it was sacrificed to, to idols. He says, don't eat it. Once again, he's limiting our freedoms as we seek the good of others. Okay, Christian, listen to me. If you don't get this, you don't get Christianity. Christianity is never about you, ever. It's always about others. And Paul says, do this for them. Look at verse 29. Verse 29, B, we'll pick that up in verse 30. He says, conscience, I say, not thine own But the other, for why is my liberty judge of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? And this is really a a difficult passage to say, Paul, what are you talking about here? But I think this is what he's talking about in the context. He just said, you've got to have boundaries, right? It's about edifying other people. If it doesn't edify other people or build them up, you shouldn't do it. And now I just told you, hey, if a guy says, I sacrifice this, to idols, don't eat it. Now let me explain something to you in in this situation that he just talked about. This guy's conscience about what he's doing is not a universal law for everyone. Okay? The guy eating there didn't have a problem with this. The guy said, this is my problem. I think what Paul is saying here is this. Hey, listen. This is not a universal law. This is not right or wrong. This is your conviction. This is your standard. Don't voiced your opinions or your standards upon me. This isn't biblical here. I prayed for my food. I asked God to bless it. Don't come with your convictions and put them on me and bring me into bondage with your conscience. Do you get that? Do you understand what I'm saying? I know that's what Paul's talking about. And that really does line up with Romans chapter 14. Can I tell you something? There's nobody in this room that agrees completely with one another. Not my wife and I. There's some things she's wrong on. OK? I know. I will be killed for that later. All right? And, and there are things that we, we, we don't see, and that is the body of Christ. There are things that are not essential that we might have differences on, but the truth is, in the big picture, those things don't matter. The main thing is the main thing. It's the gospel, it's Christ, it's who he is, his salvation and his kingdom, and everything else filters from there. And when Christians have this idea that this is my conviction, this is my standard, and everybody in the church is going to do what I want to do. You better read Romans 14. I got years ago, this was years ago, I was just a kid. I'm not a kid anymore. And he said to me, I was was probably 20. 20 is a kid, by the way. 20, 25, 30 35, 44 kids, (laughs) children. And I was a kid, and and he said to me, we were talking at a break, and he was a believer, and he said, uh, he asked me if I had a television. Yeah, I got, I think I have two. Big deal, back in the 80s, 90s, I got two. Oh, and I was going, I was studying for the ministry, and he said, hmm, I don't know of any good pastors or preachers who own televisions. Maybe he's right on that, probably probably he's right about the good pastor or preacher. But his idea was, and then he said to me, he said, It offends me that you have a TV. And you should probably get rid of it. Do you know what I did? I kept my TV because that guy was nuts. Okay? <laughs> he's nuts. I wasn't, I wasn't offending him. I wasn't causing him to sin. He was trying to take his personal conviction and throw that on me. And I think what Paul's saying is, don't do that. If you have that conviction, that's fine. That's not for me. I prayed for the food. I know it's from the Lord. I'm eating it. If I'm in your presence and it troubles you, I won't do it. But don't throw that on me. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. We can love each other in spite of our differences. As a matter of fact, isn't that the beauty of the Christian church? Now we can come together in this place, from different backgrounds, different economic and social and educational brackets, different past history, whatever side of the track you're born on, the color of your skin, your heritage, and say, you know what? It doesn't matter. Because in Jesus Christ, we're all one. That's, that's Christianity. And we know about that from Romans 14. Verse number 31. He says, whatever therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, remember, he's going to bring this, this whole argument down to a close. He said, to edify people. But now he says, okay, wait a minute. No matter what you do now, as a, and I'm talking to believers, everything we do should be for the glory of God. But what in the world is the glory of God? Go through the Old Testament, it's his brightness, it's his presence, he fills the temple. It it, it, it comes to mean who he is, his divine attributes, his character, his glory, his, his magnitude. What Paul says here is listen, no matter what we do now, all should be done for the glory of God. My actions, my behavior should shout to a lost and dying world, hey, my God is great. He is worthy of praise, and you ought to be glorified. And then he says all. That excludes this compartmentalizing of our lives. We're good at this. This is my Sunday life. This is my Monday life. I don't know what you're talking about, but with God and the Christian, there is no compartmentalization. Christ who is our life, Sunday to Sunday. He says, All things whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. And so, for Paul, the, the litmus test now for what we do also comes down to God's glory. If it brings God's glory, I will do it. If it doesn't, I won't. Look at verse 32. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Greeks, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Now, again, you've got to get the context here. Is Paul saying, don't ever upset anyone, don't ever offend anyone, don't ever say anything to make someone nervous, right? Walk on eggs all the time around people so that they just think you're a nice guy or a nice girl, you know, water down the gospel, don't talk about sin, hell, judgment. No, he's not talking about that. He can't be talking about that. You can't read the Bible very long honestly, without offending somebody. You think I'm joking, wait till we get into chapter 11, the next chapter coming up. It's hard. It's, it's offensive of the way that we think. You can't talk about the gospel. Can, can, how do you tell people that they're a lost sinner in the sight of God, condemned, worthy of death, hell, and judgment forever because they've sinned against the Holy God? How do you tell anyone that without them being offended by that? It's offensive. The gospel is offensive. We must be broken before it, or it will break us. Paul's not talking about walking around making sure everyone's happy. It's impossible. Can, you can't please everybody. You understand that? You will never please everyone. Some of you are trying to live your life by pleasing everybody. You're a teenager, trying to please all your friends and be whatever they want you to be. It's ridiculous. It's impossible. It's foolishness. You can't do it. Christian men and women, you can't go pleasing everybody. We want everyone to be happy with us. It's impossible. Paul's not talking about it. He says, when he says, don't give offense, here's what he means, and you'll see it in the next verse. He says, by giving offense what I mean is this, don't do anything in your freedom or liberty to block people from the glorious gospel of Christ. That's what he's talking about. And so as we navigate through this idea of what I'm going to do and what I can't do and what I shouldn't do. He says you better edify, you better do it for God's glory, and don't block someone from entrance into the kingdom of Christ because of your behavior, because of your freedom, and because of your liberty. Paul, again, cuts to the main thing. He's not living for himself. He's doing what brings glory to God. And he will, in his life, do whatever is best to be a witness to a lost and dying world. Now, where does Paul get this from? Does Paul just suck this out of his thumb? Oh, I got a great idea. No. Chapter 11, verse 1. Because chapter 10 doesn't end at the end of chapter 10. Here's where it ends. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. After after Paul's just talked to us about our freedom, our liberty, what we can do, he says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. What Paul is saying is, what I'm telling you is, this is a behavior for the believer as we follow Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe we've forgotten this as Christians. Maybe, maybe somehow we think that showing up here is what discipleship is about or being a, a Christ follower is about. It's not. It's about looking at our Savior and seeing him, listening to his word, and then, and then by his grace and his spirit being brought in line to who he is, be transformed into the image of Christ. Can I tell you something about Jesus? We we just mentioned it earlier this morning. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He paid a debt he did not owe. and I owed a debt I could not pay. And Jesus Christ, God incarnate in the flesh, robed himself in humanity and gave completely of himself. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and being made in the likeness of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus gave everything for you and everything for me. And that's why God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that the name of Jesus every tongue shall confess. Every knee will bow, things in heaven and earth and on earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Paul says, listen, I'm telling you something. When it comes to our liberty and freedom, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ and Christ our Savior. My life reflects Him. My actions, my words, my behavior, it's in line with my Savior, my Lord, and my King, Jesus Christ. We're to follow Him. So, believer, when it comes to freedom and liberty, we have already been delivered. We have the greatest freedom. We're to walk in that freedom. And that means that we're to live a life, ultimately, that brings God glory, and in the process of bringing Him glory, It brings other people to him. Do do you know that you possess the greatest gift imaginable? You have eternal salvation. And God left us here not just to glory in the gift and be happy on Sunday, but to take that gift and to show it to a lost and dying world. You and I, by our lives, as we live like this, in this this, um, parameter and boundary of freedom and love, are to show a lost and dying world, our children, our spouses, our friends, our neighbors, our families, that God is glorious, he is worthy of our praise, and he, in his grace, didn't leave mankind for himself, but stepped into our world. And on his son, poured out the wrath that you and I deserved. Paul says, you want freedom and liberty? Walk in this freedom and liberty. When we focus on knowledge and rights, it always produces pride and selfishness. Always. That's my rights. No one's going to tell me what to do. I got grace. Yeah, go ahead. You are an arrogant, prideful individual. And it reeks in the nostrils of God. It, it never leaves anything good. All your rules and all your this and that, and it's, it's, it's pathetic. But when we focus on love and freedom, it always, always leads to edification. Because I just took myself out of the picture, and it's for his glory and your good. I wonder what would happen if this church, and I don't care about this church, this church, if believers in this church, before they did anything, Go to First Corinthians ten verses twenty three to eleven one, say okay God here I am. This morning as I face this day, I want to take these principles and these guidelines, so that as I live my life, as I make decisions as a man, a woman, a single adult, a parent, a, an employer, employee, a neighbor, I would follow this guideline of freedom. So today I could bring you glory. And today. I could direct someone into your presence. I wonder what would happen in this place. I wonder what would happen in our homes. I I can't imagine what would happen in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in this city, this municipality, in all of Ontario, if we would be serious about God's word. And quit fighting for my rights and my freedom and say, Lord, I've been free. I am free. I'm free. And I'm going to take these boundaries and guidelines now to live a life that pleases you and you alone. Let's have a word of prayer this morning.